Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to State of State. This podcast is presented by BetOnline.ag, your number one source for all your sports info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters. We have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, whether it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options, plus your favorite Vegas casino and card games that you can play right from your home. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. This episode is all about Penn State football's defense in 2023. This unit is looking like it could be a top 10, hell, even a top five unit. But that's up for you to decide, and we'll see how it plays out on the field once things get going in September. Speaking of which, before we dive into the particulars on what this defense looks like, some news coming out in the last few days that the season opener on Saturday, September 2nd, 2023, Penn State versus West Virginia will be a night game at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It's all part of the Big Ten Saturday night on NBC. As a matter of fact, it's the first season and home opener night game for Penn State since September 1st of 2001 against Miami. There's a lot of big changes that are coming, just in regards to uh, the changing of broadcast partners. Obviously, NBC jumping in this season. We know that the expansion is coming in 2024 of USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. So this is just kind of the beginning of that. But this is a big deal, not only because last season Penn State at Purdue was a Thursday night game. I think that rubbed a lot of Penn State fans the wrong way. To see this as a prime time Saturday night showcase, it feels special. What did you think of that news? I mean, I think it's really special, especially when you brought the game up, the game against Miami in 2001. That was my first Penn State game that I attended personally. Really? Yes, yes. After my like a game in high school came up and – I remember that loaded team of Clinton Portis and all those guys on that on that loaded. Oh, Miami so you remember squad. the Miami guys? Oh, I, I do, no, I do. Actually, that was a that was a pretty interesting time. But the opening night at Penn State and Beaver Stadium kind of shaped what college sports was for me, and it's kind of it's hard to beat, right? Like that's so it's a, it's an open up against West Virginia, especially a school that's so close geographically. I mean that that makes for a nice home opener, especially in, in state college. It's something Penn State fans, I think, have been dying for. Not necessarily the the night game, but I mean a rivalry game. And I know there's a lot of people listening to this saying, well, you know, we're rivals with Michigan. We're with rivals with Ohio State. And then there's Michigan State and the ugly land grant trophy. Those schools do not consider us their rivals. I, I think that's very clear. Ohio State and Michigan, that's very well told through hundreds of years now and then at the same time michigan and michigan state big brother versus little brother that continues to play out 
Penn State, I think about the rivalry with Pitt once upon a time. People have been dying for that. Once upon a time, a really good rivalry with West Virginia. This is a positive thing. I, I really like this. Uh, the Big 12 has endured a lot of changes in the last few years. So West Virginia, not entirely sure how competitive they're going to be. I do expect it to be a competitive game, but you just never know that first week of the season, Justin, and especially that type of atmosphere coming out of training camp. Do you have any sort of expectation? I'm not asked for a score, but I mean, it's just kind of, it feels like the stakes have been upped. Yeah, I think the atmosphere comes into play in a home opener is a little different, right? Because you come out and Beaver Stadium has its own atmosphere in itself to get accustomed to. But to come out in a night game at Beaver Stadium, especially, you know, first first year starting quarterback, depending on what it is, and it's going to affect West Virginia as well. So I think really coming out with a, a night game to start off as a, as a nice testament and set the tone for being on that primetime stage for the duration of the season if we, we keep talking about them going to the playoffs winning the big 10 there's going to be have moments where you have to perform on prime time so i think that even setting the stage for the season is a good indicator yeah and especially the west virginia's had a lot of turnover at quarterback so if it is a very young quarterback that they're trotting out there that's a sound like an ongoing competition there in morgantown but uh, i i have flashbacks to Shea Patterson uh, in a shotgun for Michigan and during a whiteout uh, <laughs> night game at Beaver Stadium and had to call a timeout on the first you know, official play from scrimmage. So that does not bode well for a young quarterback. That, that's good for us, not great for them. Right. Uh, one thing that was good for Penn State football uh, also in the last few days, uh, a transfer, uh, diving into the transfer portal, Penn State was able to land a defensive tackle. Now, this is something that's been talked about quite a bit, Penn State needing to add depth. Uh, P.J. Mustafer off to the National Football League. Congratulations to him uh, and so many other Penn Staters that got drafted or picked up as UDF. FAs and also graduated this past weekend, a lot of them. So congratulations all around. However, PJ Mustafer leaves a literal and figuratively large absence in that line. The arrival of Alonzo Ford from Old Dominion, 6'3", 272 pounds. He's officially listed at. He's a sophomore. He's played two seasons. He's got three years of eligibility that he could capitalize on. Who knows? He could be gone in two, but it just depends on how things go for him. Uh, when you saw this news and you factor in Alonzo Ford to the rest of the Penn State defensive tackle group, how do you think he fits in? I think he fits in well, especially when you think of an attacking defense, right? We talked, I mean, Monty talked about last week on the on the podcast, just the diversity in which he throws at offenses. When you have a dynamic defensive line, like defensive lineman like him, where it's a little bit on the smaller side, 6'3, 270 move around a lot, do stunts and do these different type of things where it can kind of complement the linebackers in those different type of instances where you can, again, have the attacking defense and opportunistic back in with the safeties and the, you know, top end corners. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be just a change in philosophy. You look at what P.J. Mustafer was for Penn State football, that classic big monster nose tackle, a one technique. There just doesn't seem to be that guy within this defensive tackle group. And that's okay because there's been a lot of things talked about throughout you know, winter workouts and the spring practice period is that there's been talk that Manny Diaz could be on certain downs rolling out 
four defensive ends lining up along the defensive line. Uh, but he also likes to mix up, mix up his, uh, his formations as well. When you hear that alignment potentially of four defensive ends, does it make you feel comfortable? Does it worry you in regards to run defense? Because that was a bit of an issue last season. I think it's always football is always situational. So I think it depends when they use those different type of sets when you use defense alignment like that. Because I, I think against teams like Ohio State, that spread the ball out a lot, or I mean, whether it's a team that's throwing the throwing the ball like a West Virginia to be able to have different looks at the quarterback, knowing not knowing exactly where pressures are coming, how to get their counts correct, and different things in that area of picking up blitzes. That's where Manny Diaz's defense is coming to play, and just based on the personnel that Penn State has with a lot of length and a lot of speed, it makes sense to kind of take that approach. And obviously you have to adjust because we don't want any situations like, you know, Michigan, right? We can just start running the football. Obviously you have to have everybody in there to play sound gap football. Um, but yeah, I really think that's the the key component to it is having that diversity in the approach or the attacking of these pass happy offenses. And it also seems like you're going to have a nice rotation of underclassmen and upperclassmen. I'm looking at, you know, Kaziah Azard, whenever he's able to get fully healthy, he's trying to get ready for the season. Uh, Devon Elise is somebody who is going to be leaned upon a lot as an upperclassman. Then you look at some of the young guys. Zane Durant got a lot of run last season as a true freshman, seems to have bulked up in a nice way. Looks like a really powerful inside defensive lineman uh I, i've talked about it for a while now is that jordan vandenberg is a dude where i'm waiting to see if he can break out there's been a lot of people stacked on top of him in the depth chart and now you add alonzo ford and let's not forget about hakeem beeman there's a lot of really talented guys here but do you expect a rotation specifically at that position is it going to be you know i think about the the philadelphia eagles at one point in 2017 where they were able to go you know eight deep uh with their defensive line rotation is it something like that i think that's always the goal of any championship caliber team is to have a depth of defense alignment that you can continue to rotate and continue to pressure right and especially when they're effective when only four are rushing at a time and when that happens you're not sitting pressures to help them out that takes a lot out of these big, you know, great athletes. Like these guys are holding a lot of weight. So to have that depth and to be able to rotate, I mean, we've seen it su- successful for teams like I'm trying to think of something like the Giants when they yes. beat the 18 and 0 uh, Patriots. Patriots because yeah. Just that that rotation of defensive linemen like continues to make plays. Shout out to Jay Al for making the second end of that game, another Penn Stater. But that type of depth all throughout there and the diversity of defensive linemen when you're showing. That when those guys at them, I think that's a that's a goal of any championship caliber football team. Coming back to the way Manny Diaz constructs his defense, you know, you you don't have that traditional nose tackle in terms of PJ Mustafer. Do you expect more traditional four three sets? Because typically it was four two five with Manny Diaz as a base defense. Obviously, he changes that up quite a bit. A lot of exotic formations, a lot of situations where it makes it difficult for the quarterback to establish the defensive middle, so to speak. What do you think he might lean to in 2023? Uh, Honestly, it's tough to say, right? It it is tough to say when you're filling in some of these gaps. I mean, don't fix it. I mean, nothing. don't fix it if it's not broken. It's it's my, 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 my initial um thought i mean just on the success that they had last year i would kind of go with the same game plan i mean like have nice physical corners especially opportunistic you got johnny dixon kaylin king 
two safeties that are coming into the play. I think that'll be an interesting um, battle throughout the summer and just working into the rotation. You know, you lose a guy like Tig to the NFL and just like a general on the back end that makes a lot of plays. So just to see how all those different things work, because I think the flexibility in defense comes a lot to who's on the field as the general rotating, making checks, making the calls go right. Because just as an offensive lineman can miss uh, a blitzing defensive back and you, you see the sack, a lot of times when major plays happen on defense is because of miscommunication on offense, or miscommunication or a mischeck or somebody didn't get a call in that type of rotation or trying to do too much and not play base football. And with us running a lot of multiple look defenses, a lot of pressures, that level of communication and camaraderie amongst the defense is going to be imperative regardless of the level of talent. So it's going to be interesting to keep your eyes peeled on that, especially with the two back, um, the two safeties coming into the game this year. You talk about the the camaraderie and potentially the, the leadership on the defense. That's something that got talked a lot about during spring practice is that this is going to be a very different leadership group than we saw last year in previous seasons. And that obviously it's different faces, but that they expected more people to have to step up in leadership roles as opposed to, you know, those really polarizing individuals, only a handful of them on specific units. Is there a specific guy that you think, you know what, this guy is going to be in charge of this defense because my mind goes to Curtis Jacobs. What do you think? You would, you would, you would hope it would be your, your uh, veteran linebacker. Um, so I would, I would lean on Curtis Jacobs. I mean, obviously you want to see someone like a Abdul Carter that's going to have the impact that he has when you're like a special player in the middle of the, of the defense as a Mike linebacker. You want their voice to be heard. You want all confidence to run through them. You want them to have the checks and understanding of what's going on. But to your point, Curtis Jacobs being the vet linebacker in that crew, you definitely want to see that leadership come from him. And especially, I, I think, in terms of leadership coming into the season, pro football focus uh, has named uh, Chop Robinson as the highest graded returning edge rusher in college football has a 90.6 grade, two points higher than the next closest guy. And there's only one other big 10 guy in the top 10, according to pro football focus. So for those of you that love to get into the weeds in terms of grading every individual snap and responsibility, that is very, very high praise. And it's, it all comes down to the numbers. So there's really no lies to be told there. Chop Robinson had an excellent season last year. And, and I almost look at this team, Justin, and that there were over, it was double-digit players that recorded a sack last season. Some eye-popping, historic numbers within the Big Ten and all overall in college football. I almost expect to see less individual players record sacks, but some inflated individual numbers for guys like Chop Robinson, hopefully Deny Dennis Sutton, hopefully Adisa Isaac. What's your take? I mean, and, and we, can you just elaborate a little bit on why when you say increased individual sacks versus the group? I mean, I, I think last year there were so many different guys rotating in, and that I believe that that anchored position of PJ, it's it, it was a big deal. I don't think people really fully appreciate how damn good PJ Mustafer was. And then you got a rotation of defensive tackles. So that opens up a lot of other opportunities for people to fly in and get sacks. You're a little bit less experienced at defensive back with some guys that have gone to the national football league. Let's not forget in the last two seasons, you saw Brisker and Tig and Joey Porter jr. Go off to the NFL. So 
guys have got to step up appropriately. Right. And I do expect Manny Diaz to bring blitzes from every freaking direction humanly possible from the 53.3 as he has to work with sideline to sideline. I don't know. It just feels like a year where Chop Robinson especially I, I think could put up some really crazy numbers, double-digit sacks, standing out, potentially getting All-American status. So I don't know. It just feels like a season where, yeah, like that total number of players to record a sack could – go down a little bit, but that's not a problem. You're still going to get similar production. That's just me. I, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. I would definitely agree that you'll get similar production. I can't, I don't know if I would say that one player, cause we just talked about the depth of the defensive line that is rotating in. So like that kind of moving along with the emergence of did it not, uh, didn't it, uh, deny Dennis deny? Sutton. Yeah, yeah. It's a mouthful. Here we go. I'm sorry, my man. But yeah. like with the emergence of him and coming through the scene and having to rotate, like to your point, so like a lot of times Chop will find himself one on one, but vice versa. So it, he might come onto the scene where people don't have a, a action or a action plan for him, where he might have, be the person with explosive numbers. And then you see on the backing, uh, I mean, for the first time, Penn State's still in the running for a legitimate chance at a, a Thorpe Award winner and a first round DB taken with Kalen King. So on both ends, you can see a level of opportunistic um, individual seasons on the defensive end, especially, I mean, Abdul Carter as well, right? When you think of these guys moving around another year, uh, getting located, being comfortable playing in Mike Backer's position, which is a field type of situation for a defensive player. I mean, we see it with a lot of players in the past where they just get more comfortable and the game slows down. And that's pretty scary to think about based on the production he had last year and the plays that he made. So, it's exciting. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, check out Smack Apparel and see what their team has geared up for football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for all those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel has the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro and college football, plus basketball, baseball, every fan is covered. Head over to smackapparel.com and use the promo code STATE10, that's S-T-A-T-E-1-0, at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10, at checkout. Why we're boring when you can wear smack. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Well, you said when you saw Abdul from a distance at the blue-white game that he attacked on some really good mass. Uh, do you expect his role to change this year? I don't know. He looks like an a, a NFL Mike linebacker. Like, you know, I mean, just from a personnel standpoint, you see like there's certain guys that fit a mold. And, you know, a lot of times size and speed kind of frame out those top 1%. He looks like the top 1%. We're just like, oh, that's a... That's an NFL Mike linebacker. So to That's say crazy that for a sophomore, yeah, yeah. So to say that as a sophomore, and you see him, and he's the way he's put together. I mean, I, I'm excited to see this defense play. 
And I was mentioning it before in terms of the, the, the typical defensive alignment for Manny Diaz is usually four to five. And what I mean by that, four down defensive linemen, two linebackers, and five defensive backs. He likes to roll out three safeties, but he'll mix that up. But my point being is that you know Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter are your you know top two linebackers that you want on the field at all time. Given what we've learned through spring practice, guys like you know Kobe King, Still contributed a lot last year. Dominic DeLuca is a force to be reckoned with. Tyler Elsden is going to be involved in that mix. And then Tamir Robinson, Tony Rojas. I mean, it, ju- it just seems like there's going to be a lot of options there at the third linebacker spot. However, maybe not a ton of snaps. Can you articulate maybe what that role is going to call for? Well, yeah, I think when you think about sub packages, right, and you have different linebackers that are coming in and moving through. And I think the depth when you talk about the Tony Rojas and the Tamir Robinson is incredibly beneficial for Penn State in general because you talk about those type of guys with the length and athleticism and violence to play on special teams like that's where again we start talking about separating from kind of where we are to that playoff situation it's making plays in all three phases of the game and so having that depth throughout that linebacker position can help whether again we go back to the diversity of personnel packages rotating linebackers in, and it's a different different type of builds between those guys, whether it's an Abdul Carter and a, a Kobe King or um, a Timmy Robinson. And I think it, it's the, the, the diversity is vast in what they can throw at offenses, but um, it's going to be interesting to see the young guys come along. That's what I'm really interested in seeing when you talk about the diversity and rotating in and getting young guys uh, reps playing that linebacker position. When you when you focus on the defensive backs, and I was just touching on this a second ago, is that Manny Diaz loves to utilize a three-safety look. In your experience, how difficult is it to play with three safeties? And then how much pressure does that put on an opposing quarterback and an opposing offense to make decisions? Well, the hardest part about playing with three safeties is playing with, with finding three athletic enough safeties to play with. To be completely honest, right? Where there is having the diversity to play in the box, make plays in the make plays in space, and have a blitzer doing all the different type of things, covering the a gap if they run the ball, you know, a filler and in into the box. There's just so many different aspects of that. So having, I mean, having three safeties to to rotate and play just speaks to the personnel that they have. I think again to that extent, and I mean, especially like. Defensive backs like Daquan Hardy, who's always playing like a lot of nickel in situations like that. I don't know if that counts as a as they're counting that as a safety, but it's a level of again the diversity in the back end for him to run his different blitzes up front. Can you explain to listeners and viewers just how freaking good Daquan Hardy is? Because I, I don't think it's understood just how talented he is. That nickel corner spot. Some people are just like, oh, he's a third corner. Like, no, that's a really difficult role. A nickel corner spot is a very difficult role that gets undershot in football because you're essentially a linebacker, safety, and corner where you have run responsibility if they run, you have pass responsibility as a linebacker, and you also are expected to cover like a corner with those quick slot guys like a uh, like a Parker Washington. Like you're expected to cover those guys. You're expected to tackle Nick Singleton, and you're also expected to, I mean, cover tight ends like a Britton Strange. Given, so it's it's a it's a very football player high IQ position. Um, so if for somebody like Daquan, who's 
you know, average size, but he's extremely explosive. I don't know if anyone's seen the things on social media when they put out their different 40 times. He ran 4-3-2, so he's extremely, extremely fast. Him and the Elliott, um, Elliott Washington kid from Florida, he ran 4-3-2 speed back there. So another thing, we talk about team speed, but on top of the speed that he has, and he has return ability. So like to have that dynamic star situation that you have to fill zones, see the whole field, whether you're seeing crossing routes coming from the other side, being able to see run pass, getting dev, playing the different combinations with the corners on the outside, playing combinations with the safety. It's an ultra dynamic position and extremely hard to find someone that can fill that role and make plays. So yeah, Daquan's a special player, and it's and, one of those roles that if it's if it's lacking, it shows up. It's like it's like why is that person open or where why, where is that person supposed to be? It's like oh, that's probably the nickel if you ever watch football. He he's been <laughs> excellent the last few seasons, so I think Penn State's very lucky to have him because it, it seems like he understands his role and his value not just within Penn State but just within that specific position that when he eventually goes on to the National Football League. He's got so much experience at one of the most valuable positions that a defense can draft for, recruit for, sign in free agency. I don't think people really comprehend it, that this isn't just like a dude who's been loyal to Penn State. I know I could have hopped in the transfer portal and been a boundary corner, kind of what you were for your time at Penn State. And I mean, like kind of what Joey Porter was doing, the one defensive back who's up against the sideline, up against the, the split end. For a guy to stick around and be like, no, I'm going to get really, really good at this position. That's a rarity now in college football. Well, the value of the position in the NFL is skyrocketing, right? You have guys like Mike Adams or even when Chris Harris was doing it at a high level for the Broncos back in the day. And just, I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm drawing a blank for the different top, top teams. But like that's what made, you know, even like someone like Darrell Reeves so impressive to be able to play outside and inside. Just that inside position, Charles Woodson. I mean, we can go forever for guys that play that nickel star position that changes defenses completely. And it's a it's a valued position. At one point it was a reserve defensive back, but it's considered a starting defensive back in the NFL now. So like the base is five DBs. Right. And so sometimes it's a corner that can play that nickel position. Sometimes it's a safety, but that again shows the how dynamic the responsibilities and the football instincts and intellect have to be to play that position. So you're looking at a you're looking at a different a different person in that in that spot. Not to mention I played that when I pl- I played in the NFL. That's I played nickel, obviously. But you know. <laughs> no, you bounced around a lot, especially yeah. at Penn State. You were relied on as the, the number one guy. You were right. more towards the sideline and then once you get to the nfl it's you know change it where up. We, yeah this is where we need you yeah <laughs> with uh, overall the defensive backs i don't know if we touched on this in a recent episode but um the storm duck situation i think surprised a lot of people i know it surprised me is that transferred to penn state after the season uh the 2022 season had ended from unc was an all acc selection played in the blue white game Looked good, looked good during spring practices. And then a few days after, I think the day after the blue-white game, went back into the portal, and I believe he's uh, with the Louisville Cardinals now. So that was a surprise. However, looking at the fleet of defensive backs they have, did his departure concern you at all? No, I actually think his departure speaks to depth in the back end, especially younger defensive backs for because I'm thinking – just from an operational standpoint for a senior to leave, obviously he 
must have seen like, okay, some of these younger guys are either equal to me or better than me now. And so that's speaks volumes to the players that we're talking about. Cause I don't know if we're talking, we're referring to like Daquan Hardy's and those guys are, we're talking lower on the depth chart. So if they're threatening, I guess a senior all ACC corner, I think you're talking to the, you're, you're speaking to the depth of a pretty strong defensive backfield. Yeah, Kalen King, as you mentioned, I agree with you. I think he's a first-round pick uh, whenever he heads out. I think Chop Robinson also potentially a day one or even a day two pick, uh, depending on how he does this season. He could really light up draft boards potentially. Johnny Dixon uh, has been outstanding, could start, in my opinion, anywhere in the country. Sure. Uh, when you look at the safety spot, you know the last two seasons I touched on it a few minutes ago is that Jaquan Brisker departs. Uh, you had to rotate Jonathan Sutherland from more of a safety role to a linebacker role. Then Tig Brown kind of picks up where Brisker left off, which uh, was huge. Uh, I mean, I think people were a little bit concerned because Tig is not exactly the same build as Brisker, not necessarily the same sort of guy who can stick his nose in the physicality in the box. But he stepped up. He did a lot of that stuff. That's not necessarily his game. I don't believe he was exactly just like Jaquan Brisker, but mm -hmm. he's going to do some great things for the San Francisco 49ers. Now you look at these safeties. Is it rebuild or reload? I think we're leaning towards reload. I think it's a reload. I think you guys like you. I think you got um, the Winslow, the Winslow kid. Uh, uh, then, yeah, KJ Winston. Winston, I'm sorry, Winston, KJ Winston. I'm sorry, my bad, K. But like him and is, I think those two, two type of guys on the back end with length, playmaking ability. I think again, this guy's. I think it's a reload situation, and especially when you have a safety coach like, you know, Coach Poindexter. I think again, you get you're getting taught right, understanding what's happening. You got physical traits; good things can happen. Yeah, uh, Zachy Wheatley, uh, Jalen Reed, Keaton Ellis, Keaton Ellis, Ke absolutely. I don't, I don't know if Keaton Ellis necessarily rises to the level of Brisker or Tig Brown necessarily. However, he is kind of the elder statesman now at the safety position. Um, I think you had mentioned a few weeks ago here on the show that you thought. Uh, uh, Zachy Wheatley would probably be the quote unquote tip of the spear in the prowler package. Not sure where Keaton Ellis factors in there, but it just seems like Justin, that if you're Manny Diaz, you got a lot of options. Do you think it's more options than last season or roughly the same? I think it's, I think a little more, especially when the guys that have are playing contributed last year. And so they're just another year, of being a football player at the college level, I think they're just bringing, they're going to bring more to the table and be able to, you know, throw some more things at the offenses. So I think a little bit more. Now, I know you're a big proponent that this has become lockdown you. Can you firmly say that this, like the, the, the term DBU gets thrown around a lot? Obviously, schools like LSU, Ohio State, thrown out a lot of defensive backs, but it just seems like year after year you use the word reload, and it just seems like the lockdown you analogy is really, really accurate. I mean, 100%, the lockdown you is accurate, man. Like that's why we, that's what's here. But no, that just thinks, like, again, all the way from the safety to the corners on a, on a serious note. It's the reloading principle, right? Because it comes down to the talent acquisition. You got a guy that comes in from like a, like an Elliot Washington. You got a Lamont Payne Jr., who we haven't spoke to, but like he's another strong physical corner. So like those are the young guys that 
you saw a, a senior transfer in and say, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. they're they're close or they might pass me. So let me get back Cam to the Miller, Mackay Flowers, Cam Miller, Alan Mackay Flowers. Like you can go through the list, right? And mm-hmm. those three were all impressive. on the same uh, team for the blue white game. So I, that was very interesting that you don't necessarily look at it as truly you know the blue team is the ones and the white team is the two is like it's close to that but it's not necessarily that the way that right. james franklin and his staff put together the two teams this year but it was interesting that it was duck miller and flowers for the white team i think that really surprised a lot of people absolutely hmm. absolutely this this defense just seems locked and loaded and i don't want to continue to build the the hype and anticipation but it just seems that way man it just seems like everything seems to be trending in the right direction and i think you got a guy who's about to break out in abdul carter uh, and become one of the most talked about players in college football this season uh very hopeful that chop robinson becomes one of the best defensive ends in college football you got a lockdown corner in kaylin king it just seems like all the pieces are there man and you know uh, manny diaz I don't think Penn State fans really understand how lucky we are that Manny Diaz is staying another year at Penn State because I don't know if he sees year three because the stink from the University of Miami head coaching job has worn off. And I think people understand there's problems with that program that nobody can really overcome, unfortunately. And it just seems like this team is locked and loaded for 2023 on defense. Definitely seems that way. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we want to hear from you. What do you guys think of the defense? What are the pros? What are the cons? What are you excited about? What are you worried about? Who do you like? Who do you not like? Get involved in the comments. Uh, don't forget to comment, rate, like, subscribe, all those fun things. So thank you for joining us here on State of State. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.